Church Chat by Assembly Hub is what you are listening to right now, and this is episode number 12. Good day, Assembly Hub listeners. I'm Crawford Paul, and I hope that you're having a good day today. And if you're not familiar with the North American Week of Prayer, I just want to highlight that because it's going on right now. This week is the North American Week of Prayer, and you can find out all the details at naweekofprayer.com, naweekofprayer.com. And it's a wonderful time for us to seek the Lord, for us to come together and pray as a church, as a family, as individuals, just come before God and seek Him. I just appreciate so much the effort and the vision behind this. And so if you haven't seen that, then please go to that website and join us. There's some Zoom prayer times that you can join in on and be a part of, and that's listed there on the website. And it's wonderful to just come together and pray to the Lord. Now, my episode today is entitled, Is the North American Church really in need of repentance? Is there a barrenness in the church that we need to repent of? And this comes out of introductory session by Mike Atwood, which happened yesterday morning, Monday morning. He looked at the book of Joel in the Old Testament and compared it to uh, today, the relevancy of it today. I know this question has come up so much in the last few years. Is the North American church really that bad? Are we really in this sort of state of complacency or are things okay? Are we doing well? And of course, anytime you make a, a general statement, you're going to get some people saying, where I am, uh, things are going great, the church is growing. And so obviously a statement like, you know, the, the church is dying in North America, or the church is barren, or the church is in need of repentance. Obviously that statement is a generalization. It's not a statement that is made concerning every single church in North America. So I'm just going to come right out and say, right at the start of this, that I do believe that the North American church is, generally speaking, in a state of barrenness and in need of repentance. And so, as Mike shared those thoughts with us, and you can find, again, you could find that that uh, 20 minute, uh, or it's even less, probably 15 minute uh, little session as he started us off in the week of prayer, you can find that on the website, naweekofprayer.com. But... I really connected with what he was saying, and it is my experience, again, I'm just one person who uh, has a limited experience. I don't know what's going on in every city in North America, but it's my experience that generally speaking, that's the state of the church in North America. Now, I know there's a lot going on right now. We're all in isolation, and there's you know a thousand preachers and messages out there that were probably saturated with uh, online messages. So I'm not going to take a long time today to to share a few thoughts about this. But I do have three, three thoughts that I believe the church in North America needs to repent of. 
that we need to really evaluate and consider what's going on within our churches and in our individual lives, and we need to go before the Lord and say, we're sorry. Not just feeling sorry, but we are going to turn away from those things, which is what repentance means, to turn away and go the other direction. We are going to repent of these things, and we're going to change our lives and our churches. And I do believe, while not every church is dying, and not every church is in barrenness, and not every church needs repentance, I do believe that, generally speaking, we can do much, much better. We can be a much more vibrant community of churches, and especially as we think about the Brethren Assemblies, but I know it applies to other conservative churches and churches in general, we can be doing much, much better. It doesn't mean all is bad. It doesn't mean that we're doom and gloom. It just means that we can look at our lives and say we can do better. Paul said that. Paul says, I'm not there yet. I haven't attained. I mean, think about it. The Apostle Paul, who wrote over half of the New Testament, says, I can still do better. I still press on. And the mindset that we should have is that we have further ground to to gain. I often think about Joshua chapter 1. God said to Joshua, wherever you put your foot, that is what I will give you. And so they had to keep taking the next step and the next step. They, they had to keep moving forward. And so that is where I believe we're at in our church in North America. So three quick points. The first is that somewhere along the line, and I don't know where, my, my life is only 46 years old, but somewhere along the line of the church experience in North America, the motto became, come on in instead of let's go out. And I'm speaking about evangelism. And I think this is one of the biggest reason for the barrenness in our churches today. We have lost sight of the lost. We have started caring more about ourselves than about winning souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. The entire purpose of the New Testament church right from the start of Acts in chapter 1, is you shall be my witnesses. That's the primary function of the church. The very last thing the Lord Jesus Christ commissioned his disciples with was to take the gospel and spread it around the world. And as he's telling the disciples about the church, he says, I want you to be my witnesses. In Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, And somewhere, I don't know, churches are all different in their experience, but we lost sight of this idea that we need to go to the world and share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not about winning converts. It's not about getting more people into our church. It's not about growing our numbers. It's about people who are on their way to a lost eternity, and it's about sharing with them that there is a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and they need him. They need the Savior. There's, there is despair. There is fear. There is misery. There is suffering in people's souls today, and they need the living power of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives. And the only way they're going to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ is if we tell them. And I think it's a huge, huge problem 
in our churches and in our assemblies that we are not taking the gospel out. We are so comfortable inviting people in. And I want to challenge you as you listen to this. Uh, Even, I was thinking about this just this morning, even the idea that, that we have kids clubs, and I'm all for kids clubs, but why do we have them in our church buildings? Why do we not find a neutral ground, and maybe some of you do this, find a neutral location, a school, a community center, Let's go there and take the gospel to the children there. Maybe in the summer, instead of having our our VBSs in our own churches, in our church buildings, find a park in the middle of the town or city that that we can uh, rent out a pavilion and take the gospel to the people. I think it's so important that we are visible as a church. And I mean, there's a lot that we could say about this, a lot that I could mention, and I don't want to take too much time, but I really want to challenge your heart as my heart is challenged. Are we taking the message of the gospel outside of our four walls? Or has our model become, come on in, we'll put a sign up outside our building and we'll invite people to come in. Brothers and sisters, they're not going to do that today. Maybe the odd one will, and I'm sure there are stories that uh, of some that that has happened, but generally speaking, again, generally speaking, people are not just going to walk into a church building. We need to take the message, and don't forget, the New Testament church didn't have church buildings, so this is a modern, if you will, uh, concept of having church buildings. The early church met in homes and gathered out in the public in the temple, and so I want to just share a quote from a a really fantastic little book called Have No Fear by John Lennox. It's only like 60 pages, really short little pages, and it's an easy read. But this is what he says in his introduction, and I, I find this very challenging. Jesus said that his followers were the salt of the earth and the light of the world, Matthew 5. Listen to this amazing little statement he makes. They were to have a profound influence on the society in which they lived, being a salty preservative to stem decay and blazing a path for others to follow. That is, their lives were to be active, not passive. They were to be Jesus' witnesses to the world by how they lived and what they said. Those two things belong together. What they said would only be credible if it was also modeled in their lives, and people would only understand their lives and the motivation for them if they spoke about and explained this. Jesus' disciples were to be characterized by living out their faith in public rather than keeping their faith private. And then a little while later, he says this, Many Christians have been effectively silenced. They may well continue to go to church, but their witness has long since ceased because of fear and peer pressure. I wonder if that characterizes you and me. Are we silent when it comes to our witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm very convicted by this, that our churches, if we are going to see any kind of growth, any kind of impact on the world around us, then we personally need to be taking the message of Jesus to the world. And then, as churches, we need to be out, visible in the world. 
I just love the little phrase in Acts chapter 2. At the very end, it said that the church had favor with all the people. They were doing good. They were, they were out in the community in which they were, and they were making an impact. So the first point is that the motto became, come on in, instead of let's go out. The second thing that I believe is also contributing to our barrenness is that the focus became the material instead of the spiritual. We have become so preference-driven. And I got to tell you, when I, when I have seen conflict in the church, it's rarely over spiritual things. It's mostly over material things, things that are not even biblical. What people wear, what songs people sing, how they sing it, what's hanging on walls, uh, what kind of chairs do we have? Do we even have chairs or pews? Uh, this person did this and it was out of order and all of these things. And they're not spiritual minded at all. In fact, we have become so focused on ourselves that we've lost, again, the very, the very mandate of the Lord Jesus Christ to focus on others. Tom Rayner in his brilliant little book, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. You'll notice I talk about little books, and that's because I, I love to read small books because I can get through them quickly uh, with my busy schedule. But Autopsy of a Deceased Church is one of my all-time favorites. It doesn't matter how often I read it. It's still relevant to today. And, and he says this. He talks about churches that eventually died. They closed their doors. And he says a significant number of the members moved the focus from others to themselves. And when a church moves in that direction, it is headed for decline, then death. The decline may be protracted and the death may be delayed, but it is inevitable. The church will die. A church cannot survive long term where members are focused on their own preferences. When I hear stories of missionaries and when I hear the early pioneer stories of how churches began, there was no sense of this, I want my way. I want things to look like this. I want things to be like this. It was so focused on loving one another and unity, striving after unity. And brothers and sisters, what have we compromised in the church by wanting our own way, my style of music, my desired length and order of worship services, my desired color and design of buildings and rooms, my activities, my programs, my, 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 my. <laughs> you can put whatever you want on there. Tom Rainer goes on to say, the lifeblood of a healthy church is one that is more like the mind of Christ in the members' attitudes. Sadly, the dying churches rarely had members who were so other-centered. We need to get our eyes back on the Lord Jesus. The first point, the heart of evangelism in the Lord. The second point is the heart for others. He died on a cross for every single one of us. That's our example. Why do we complain about things that are so insignificant in eternal value, that have no weight in terms of the spiritual matters? We are fighting with ourselves and we're neglecting the things that God has established for us. It's time we read Philippians 2 again. It starts with the Lord Jesus Christ and it goes on 
to consider some other people in the church who were other-centered. And we need to take our focus back to the spiritual things and off of the material things that are around us. And then finally, the third point. The first, the motto became come on in instead of let's go out. The second, the focus became the material instead of the spiritual. And here's the third. The emphasis became the structure instead of the Savior. We are so consumed in many ways with how we function as a church. And we are so nitpicky on things that have to be exactly the way we think they should be in terms of the structure, instead of focusing on the Savior. If we took our eyes off of ourselves in the structure of the church, and I'm talking about the format of meetings, how we do the Lord's Supper, when should we have the Lord's Supper, how long should we have a prayer time, when should we have a prayer time, how should it function, Uh, should we have kids clubs or not? I mean, all of these things are the structure that we have put in place. The scriptures don't put in place that at 9.30 or 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, we have to come together for an hour and have a Lord's Supper. There is no structure of that in the Word of God. There's no structure on how a family Bible hour is supposed to go. Well, we should only have one hymn at the beginning, or we should have lots of singing at the beginning, or we should have the preacher first. I mean, there is no structure given to us in the New Testament of how we conduct our meetings. And yet, there is so much emphasis placed on this structure. And we've forgotten the Savior. We've forgotten the one that we've come to worship. I know of experiences where we've been in a Lord's Supper, where our minds are supposed to be remembering the Lord Jesus Christ. And the moment that meeting is done, there's complaining, there's fighting, there's bad attitudes, there's I am right and you're wrong, there's all kinds of angst between God's people right after worshiping, supposedly worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Our minds and our emphasis has been taken off the Savior. You know, it's the story of Peter, isn't it, when he walked on the water? He saw everything around him, and he started sinking because he took his eyes off the Lord Jesus. And can I challenge you as I challenge my own heart, as I challenge my church, challenge your church, that we need to get our focus back on the Lord Jesus Christ? If we did that, I believe that we would not be focused on the structure. I just love the early church in the book of Acts. I love it. I I focus on it so much because it reminds me that God had simple plans for the church to reach the world with the gospel, to love one another, to be unified, to be in common, to have one mind in all of these things. And we are so divided in our church today. And even in the assemblies, we're so divided. Someone calls this church progressive. Someone calls this church liberal. Someone calls this church stuffy and traditional. So, I mean, we're so divided. We love these labels. We love to stick labels on everyone else. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ says, I'm here. I'm right here. Look at me. Have your emphasis on me, on my things, on the things that I want to do. And yet we are so caught up with the structure that we think is the only structure that counts, and everyone else is wrong. These are three things. I'm sure there are more, 
but these are three things that I believe contribute to barrenness in the North American church. Are we barren? Yes. Do we need to repent? Yes. Not everywhere, but most places. And we need to come together and repent of these things, turn away from them, and come back to the Lord Jesus Christ, come back to him. And the Lord Jesus Christ makes this promise. God makes this promise. If you come to me, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And that is my prayer for the North American church, that we would draw near to God and we would see his power lived out through our lives, through our words, through our actions, and through our churches. And I pray that all of this is to his glory and to his honor. Thanks for listening today, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, touching base with you next week. You have been listening to Church Chat by Assembly Hub. Check out all the articles and discussion at assemblyhub.com. Tune in next week to hear more Church Chat by Assembly Hub.